Before we get started with today's show, I wanted to tell you about another great ESPN podcast. The Mina Kimes Show featuring Lenny will get you ready for the NFL draft as Mina is joined by her friends each episode to talk about the latest NFL storylines. That's the Mina Kimes Show featuring her dog, Lenny. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to The Right Time. My name is Bomani Jones. Thanks for listening wherever you get your podcast. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater. It is Foxworth Friday. Dominique Foxworth, what's going on? What's happening? You back at at the crib? I got used to seeing your fancy office. Timing was a little different today, you know what I'm saying? So I brought it back to the crib. Thanks to everybody watching on YouTube. We're going to get into some NFL topics, maybe talk a little NBA playoff action. But Dominique, this is the first time I have talked to you since the Tom Brady story came out. The the Tom Brady... going to the Dolphins but not going to the Dolphins and then decide to come back to the Buccaneers and all them things rolling story like all seem to come together and Mina and I talked about this on Wednesday and so I want to throw this to you how did we miss this story for like four or five days <laughs> it's a monster if I'm Tom Brady I might got some people looking for Brian Flores <laughs> the race stuff aside Tom Brady got his money all the way messed up by Brian Flores he was about to get ownership of a team and then then he was going to finagle his way back onto the field, which would make that team more immediately more valuable. Like, you can't have um, ownership as a part of your contract situation. It's in the CBA. This man found a backdoor for it, and damn it if racism ain't ruined it for him. <laughs> <laughs> yo, like, in it, it, it discovery is what got him. Like, like, they were just like, yo, there will be text messages. Like, we can't talk we can't do this but my thing for them was y'all might as well have gone through it because whatever text messages was being sent you already done sent like all the problems were already there like if you're afraid that there's going to be correspondence that exposes that you already had this plan in place bro you already done for once it gets to the point of discovery yeah i'd have paid that settlement as soon before brian flores could have made his way to espn to do that interview with mike greenberg that morning I would have paid. I know there was no settlement on the table, but I've been scrambling. I mean, discovery is got to be the scariest thing because I think of myself as a good person, a decent dude. But if you read all my correspondence over the last <laughs> 10 years, I mean, you can, you, can, you can put together a case for something. You might be able to put together a case for something. Not to defend any racist acts by these owners, because I'm sure those are there too, and we have evidence of that, or at least the admission of that from Mike Malarkey and the, and the Titans. That's a whole nother story. But I ain't playing with Discovery. If I can avoid Discovery, that is a hell of a hammer to get me to come to the table and negotiate. Well, that's the thing. They always are trying to avoid discovery, except the problem is they got a dude who is not interested in their money. Yeah. Right? Like, I don't know what the number is before Mrs. Flores is like, hey, man, stop <laughs> playing and take this bread, dog. Yeah, you right. You right. You right. Yeah, we going to change the world. Okay. <laughs> like, how much money is it going to take? Because I think this man just decided he going to take this whole thing to the wall. Yeah. I mean, you got to go to him with the, you want to change the world? Imagine how much change you could do 
with $15 million cash? The answer is not that much. It don't matter. It don't matter. That's the way you frame it. How much change can you make for $25 million? I mean, Discovery's what got Daniel Snyder too. Y'all got to keep people out of your business. And as much as they try to protect it, like it's somebody going to say something that's going to make you look bad. And Tom Brady, not that Tom, Tom Brady is like the epitome of like heterosexual white male perfection. So I'm sure he is doing fine, but he... He's the biggest loser in all of this right now. <laughs> and he ain't even do nothing. Dog. Also, by the way, I guess getting that piece of the Dolphins would be cool. But the idea that he was going to be team president, that sounds awful. Yeah. Like, that's a job Terrible that I job. think that a lot of people underestimate. Like, when Magic took over that job with the Lakers. And I thought that Magic could do it if for no other reason than Magic had 25 years of running businesses, right? Like, I thought mm-hmm. he at the very least knew what it was to be the executive up top. And keep it real, as much as people tried to clown Magic while he was there, I take him a lot more seriously than Rob Palenko of these other people you know, that they wind up, that they have in charge. But this idea that you can go straight from being a player to being a team president, we saw that happen with Michael Jordan. We saw this happen with Derek Jeter. We're seeing it with Tom Brady. Like, it's for a very particular, rarefied air of player. But that's still a really hard job that comes with a lot of stuff that I just can't imagine you jumping in on day one and thinking you can do. You haven't had the experience to do it. I don't think and we've had many conversations about this. A lot of the with the exception of like being a doctor and a lawyer, like most jobs, you can learn while you're doing them. You don't need like extensive training. I don't think that being a team president is particularly like hard, but it's taxing. It's a lot to do. You know, like, I don't think that these players aren't smart enough to do it, but they don't have the experience and they don't know what the job entails. But you could always, like, construct the job in the way that you want. Like, your title might be president, but you can hire a bunch of other people to do the presidenting, and you could use your skills, whereas Magic Johnson's the case. Like, being Magic Johnson is the most valuable thing he can offer to anybody. Yes. Even if he Even if he got the Jeff Bezos business mind, the most valuable thing that he has that no one else has is that dude, Magic Johnson. So, like, his value there was was wasted, I think. Yeah, but I think the thing that's important in what you're describing, though, right? So you hire the people to do these things. You need to know what the things are that yeah. you need to hire people to do. Right. Right? Like, that's my thing with Brady on that is... Do you even know what the things are that you're supposed to be hiring people to do? Like, I'm doing this TV show right now for HBO. I got more power than I've ever had, all of that stuff. I still don't know all the things it is that people are supposed to do. Like, my showrunner, he knows all those things, right? We need somebody to do this. We need somebody to do that. Those people that's been walking around the Patriots office of Tom Brady don't know what exactly they do, but he knows them and they've been there for 15 years. Well, now you got to be the one to go hire one of those. Well, what does that person do? You don't really know. You've been used to working for the Patriots where they got all these amorphous job titles and just do what you do, right? Like, who's the offensive coordinator down there? They ain't going to be one. They just yep. have a bunch of people. Who's the defensive coordinator? We just, we, we just all come up with this together. You know what I'm saying? And so this yeah. idea that I'm going to just jump in and just be in charge and be the face of it, nah, man. And I know that man don't want to sit around in no office all the time yeah. that you're supposed to sit around in the office and do that job. Yeah, and I mean, Tom Brady, I think, is incredibly intelligent when it comes to one thing. I'm not sure that we have any evidence that suggests that that intelligence is transferable. So I'm not sure that he wanted that job. But if I was him, I damn sure was going to take it and come with a piece of ownership. Like, let's be honest. He wasn't going to ever do that job. To me, it sounds like the plan was hang out for a second and then become our quarterback next season. We're going to load up this roster. We got a great defense. We'll get some old linemen. We got these receivers and then go win us the Super Bowl, which 
it just makes me think how much do they hate Tua? Like they ain't they ain't gave that man a fair shake yet. <laughs> they are trying their best to ruin this kid's life. Yo, well, well, two things. One, that plan that they had orchestrated, there's no way the rest of the league is going for this. Right? Like that's the that's the biggest one. That, yeah. That's when they gotta form like Voltron and just be like, nah, 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 dog. We not going for that. But your point on Tua, like, is the only thing I can conclude from this that Brian Flores is the only dude in the building that was rocking with him? Or is it Chris Same Greer fucking. that's the guy in the building? Because they had us thinking that Brian Flores wanted Deshaun Watson, right? Is Chris Greer the only guy that's rocking with Tua? And I'm skeptical as hell of Tua, too. But damn, at least give it a run. Yeah, I mean, he had several offensive coordinators. Uh, he didn't get a fair shake when they had Fitz Magic in there. They had the worst offensive line as far as pass protection is concerned that we've seen in recent history. Like, they ain't really gave the man a shake. And he may stink. Or he may be mediocre. Or he may be a world beater, but they was already trying to get, and it was a combo platter of Sean Payton and Peyton Manning, which to me, I love Sean Payton. I think he's a great coach, but that seems redundant. Yeah, Tom Brady might be a step, like, it's just overkill at this point. You got two coaches. Yeah, you need to have a defensive mind over there, which they had in Brian Flores. So if that yacht scam that they had would have worked out, <laughs> they might. we might be talking about the Miami Dolphins Super Bowl champs right now. Oh, yeah. Remember that time they tried to have Brian Flores go meet with Tom Brady? You remember that? <laughs> he was like, no, nah, I'm good. He's like, no. Nah. Spring is the best time to add new challenges to your training, just in time for summer and warmer days. I've been in the gym a little bit trying to get my fitness in check so I can break these skinny allegations I keep getting. And spring is the best time of the year to take a new look at your fitness routine, dial it up a notch, and continue powering off. Peloton has everything you need to get you where you're going. Whether you prefer to run outdoors, row, or ride at home, or strength train at the gym, Peloton has something for you. Peloton's varying class lengths were designed with your training plan in mind. Personalize your workout. Whether you'd like to add a 10-minute core session at the end of your strength class or take a 60-minute power zone ride to increase your endurance. Peloton classes are designed to help focus on your needs and goals while challenging yourself at every level. Now you can catch up on your favorite NBA games with NBA League Pass while you push yourself to new levels of fitness. Watch your favorite games and win your workouts with NBA League Pass on Peloton and visit OnePeloton.com. Peloton all-access membership and NBA League Pass subscription required. By the way, I had, you know, in this adding of the Brian Flores lawsuit, we got Steve Wilkes and Ray Horton jumping in. But also, apparently, Brian Flores did, in fact, send memos to the NFL about Steve Ross asking them to lose games. This old Boy Scout was not going for <laughs> any of this. Brian Flores know that he can't step out of line not one time. Grew up in Brooklyn, which I would, would make me believe that maybe he has stepped out of line once or twice, but he don't play it. I guess you make it out of Brooklyn. Let me tell you this. Brian Flores don't leave no office without his copies. <laughs> All right, Brian Flores, like, can I get a copy of that, please? All right, would you mind signing right here saying it was received? Okay, cool. Got it. Uh, let me get Thanks. your initials on. Let me get your initials on that. Yeah, right there, right there. What was your name again? All right, well, thank you, Glenda. I appreciate your help. That used to, when my mom would be talking to somebody on the phone, like we have to go to a store or something, she would call and she would ask for the person's name. And I always thought it was weird. 
but I got I became an adult and realized that you got to know their name. That's Brian Flores' move right there. I was like, and, and who am I? And who am I speaking to? Okay, all right, yeah. Well, thank all you, right. Glenda. Nice to meet you. Okay, cool. <laughs> hey, well, look, I was just talking to Glenda. I believe her yep. name was Glenda. Do you know Glenda? <laughs> all right. Well, Glenda said y'all gonna run me my money today. So, uh, either Glenda going to give me my money or y'all going to get it out of drawer, <laughs> but Glenda told me I'm getting my money. I got to be honest, though. Whenever I hear Ray Horton's name... Cornrows. Yeah, I think a 40-year-old dude with cornrows. I know he cut them, but it always comes to mind. Bro, I did a FaceTime once. I was like, homie, you got to cut these cornrows, man. This ain't going... You 40-something years old, and I think he must have seen it because somebody asked him in a question in an interview about the cornrows, and he seemed uh, none too pleased about the reference uh, for it. I'm like, dog, you 45 years old out here with cornrows. Like, <laughs> like, whether they should or should not give you a job because you're a really good defensive coordinator. That's its own discussion. I'm just telling you, dog, I don't know if Barack Obama could get a job coaching in the NFL, and you in here looking like you just got out, and people are like, oh, you say cornrows mean you just got out? No, I'm saying 40-something years old with cornrows means you look like you just got out. <laughs> yeah, um, not Buddy Ryan, not Rex Ryan, the other uh, Ryan. Yeah, he his hair, I think, has kept him from getting a job. Yo, you saw that when Rex was really trying to get the job, he trimmed up his look, he even, uh -huh. you know, he slimmed down, like all of that stuff. Like, that is something I do think that we often assume that only black people have to do, which is like get your stuff looking right to go in there. Like not every white person out here clean cut. That's not how it works, right? There's some white man with hair down to his shoulders that senior year, it was about time to go ahead and get that cut. Like I ever tell you about the time, it was the summer between my first and second year of graduate school and I was supposed to be working some internship and it didn't come through. And so I'm at the house and at the time I got braids, you know, I got the long hair. My pops walked in the house one day, he handed me two $20 bills. First one was put a little gas in your car back when you could do something with 20. I appreciate it. The next one, this one's for a haircut, get a oh. job. And he explained to me that I was too old to wear my eccentricity on top of my head. And he wasn't wrong. It depends on what you're trying to do. But I mean, it, it's different for black people because so much of the, or a lot of the hairstyles are connected to like ethnicity. So yes. like, I mean, you like the Grateful Dead if you're a white person to long hair. I don't know what it means about you, but it doesn't mean the same thing. So I think the idea of having somebody who has a mullet cut off the party in the back it doesn't feel quite like having a black person cut off their dreads. But I, I mean, dreads have gotten to a point where I think you keep them tight, you keep them clean, as long as you're not in the military. They just feel like that'll put us so much work. But the thing about the dreads is it's it's a large part about length. Like no matter your ethnicity, men with long hair don't play in professional settings. Like that's, that's, not, that's not nearly as much about race as people want to make it to be. Now, when you start talking about women and them telling women that they can't wear braids, okay, now we're talking about something different because they only viewing it through their own prism, right? They viewing it through, I just get braids when I go to Aruba or whatever for vacation and I pull them damn things out before I get on the plane. Like, <laughs> like we, we actually do this. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, like that part is a little bit different. What do you think about the Steve Wilkes portion of this? Like I've seen the Cardinals. They weren't good. He wasn't a good coach based on what I could see. But then there's like stuff that they put out in the media afterwards that makes it even clearer that he's not a good coach, which I'm not sure if that's true or not and all that stuff. That could be a scam. But I guess I just landed on this. It's something that you say sometimes is like the benefit of the doubt. And they don't have the benefit of the doubt is the thing is because I could get behind the idea that we hired a coach. We knew he was wrong. We're getting this quarterback who's comfortable in a system. We're going to get the coach who is also comfortable in this system. We're going forward with that. I'd be all okay with that if it wasn't for the fact that the NFL's track record 
right suggest that is that i can't be y'all don't have the benefit of the doubt Wilt's point also that uh, Suge White, the general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, just got Steve popped Kine. for a DUI. Yeah, yep. and I got and I got busted. Like he's he's got something to that. And I heard the same thing as you. Everybody said that he was a bad head coach. I just feel like I've seen bad head coaches get year two. And for whatever it's worth, when they made the decision to go to Kingsbury. And I think that's part of what was insulting to him is that they went and hired a guy. I mean, he's done okay, but there was he had no business getting hired, at least in terms of qualification. Right. So they go hire a guy who is not particularly qualified to do the job. And Wilkes' point was, hey, man, I didn't want Josh Rosen. Y'all gave me Josh Rosen. And so the whole reason for making the overhaul with Kingsbury, and correct me if I'm wrong, I feel like they went and got Kingsbury before anybody was really talking about this Kyler Murray in the draft thing. Because that, to me, legitimized the whole Kingsbury hire, is that if you were going to try to turn this thing on its head and go all in on Kyler Murray, and you were hiring the coach to coach Kyler Murray. But it sounds like it went the other way. It sounds like they got the coach, and the coach was like, yo, get me Kyler Murray. So that's where I look at it with Wilkes, where I'm like, Yeah, even if you weren't that good at it, the issue is you're a first-time head coach, and they knew you was a first-time head coach, and nobody's really entertaining the possibility of you getting better. Now, that being said, the Cleveland Browns have fired all kinds of white men after one year or after a year and change. So, like, I can't pretend like it never happens, but the idea that they hired me to fire me, I do think there's something to that. Oh, yeah, absolutely. I think when teams are in a rebuild or a tank mode, they're like, all right, we're going to take one for the bigger team and we'll <laughs> we'll like we'll fill out this black situation for a minute. But as soon as we get back to where we want to be, then we can go, go, go get one of these coaches that look the way we want them to look. Well, hold on, let me ask this. With regards to the Cardinals, with the way the three Kingsbury seasons have ended, do you think the black Cliff Kingsbury still has a job right now? I don't think so. Hell no. And I'm okay with the white one having a job. Yeah. I'm just saying the black one gets fired. Oh, yeah. that's. I think that's absolutely true, especially in Arizona. I, I don't think the, the fans got, got much patience for that over there in Arizona. They, they, they got patience for a little bit of white ineptitude, but the black ineptitude, the clock is a little bit faster. But I think I gave the Cardinals more credit than they deserve because I assumed that they knew that Kyler – was coming out and they knew they were drafting Kyler all before they went and got Cliffs Kingsbury because otherwise it's unjustifiable. Like you don't go get a guy who had just been fired and the only job he could get was a offensive coordinator job in college and hand him one of the 32 head coaching jobs in football. And not even like he got fired after having a long impressive run. He ain't never won anywhere. And they brought him to like, that doesn't make sense unless you're like, all right, we got word from Kyler that he is moving on to the NFL. We're going to flip this over. So if that's wrong, then uh, there's no defense. The whole Cliff situation was so weird because he had signed on to be the offensive coordinator at USC. And I always looked at him at the NFL like, you know what would be a great job for him? Offensive coordinator. Except I guess for them, the problem was that if he came in and he was successful as an offensive coordinator, then somebody would instantly want to give him a head coaching job. And then they would start lying about the Texas Tech job. Because while it is not that easy to win at Texas Tech, the three coaches before him did more they of it won. than he yeah. did. <laughs> like, like, that's, like, like sure. that's the thing about it. And none of them had Jordan. <laughs> he had Jordan. <laughs> and couldn't win at Texas Tech. You see what Andy Reid doing with him <laughs> against NFL, where the talent is uh, comparable. And they were yes. not – like, you find people – 
he had to be, I don't know how many times he walked on a college field and there was a better quarterback across from him. Like, based on what I've seen now, not never. <laughs> Somehow, they didn't win. Cliff basically had nothing but NFL quarterbacks at Texas Tech. He had Baker Mayfield. I mean, Davis Webb hasn't made it happen, but Davis Webb was like a second or third round pick. Like, he had him. He had Patrick Mahomes. And you didn't win anything. <laughs> that's so funny because he gets credit for those people put it on his resume like yeah. see he coached these quarterbacks like that's a demerit as far as i'm concerned right. not <laughs> winning with those guys got him this job keep it in mind that he got the texas tech job on the strength of johnny yeah nobody was thinking about making cliff a head coach except i think that's when toby tuberville quit out of nowhere and suddenly that job was open and texas a&m had just had this incredible year they had five first round picks on offense <laughs> plus Kristen Michael, just to be clear. All right. And so he wound up getting the Texas Tech job. And like I say, none of this is shade to Cliff. I think he's done a decent job in the NFL. But I see why Wilkes out here furious. Yeah, it makes sense to me. Did you, I, was, I assume you saw they resurfaced that Mike Malarkey podcast. Yeah, where he, he called, he named Amy Adams Strunk by name. The owner of the team of the Titans was like, yeah, she told me I was getting a job after she go through this sham interview, which, whew, if that ain't a smoking gun, that's another story that hasn't gotten Yo, attention. Yo, it sat there for two years. Yeah. <laughs> no, nobody listened to these podcasts. It sat there for two years, and he really seemed to feel bad. Now, granted, he could have called somebody for real if he, like, really felt as bad as he says that he did. But I don't get mad. That's the arrogance of white folks. And dudes be doing this kind of stuff, too, just to be clear, like when women get involved. But for her to just look at him and be like, yeah, yeah, anyway, we're going we, we to call, what's his name in? Roy? Roy? Ray. Ray. Okay, yeah. We're going to call Ray in. Oh, he works here? Huh. All right, yeah, so we're going to call Ray in. And, oh, that's right. The guy I called the cops on. I'm going to call Ray. We're going to call Ray in. And then after we get done with that, we just going to come around and we going to call you. Like, you know what they was doing with the, with the Rudy Rule interview? After the Rudy Rule interview, they was going to announce the hiring of the head coach. Kind of how, like, as soon as the polls closed during the presidential election, they called California. Like, we don't even need to count. <laughs> we know which way this is going. Yep. I mean, the arrogance, too. Like, what do you get out of that? You gain nothing. Like, you get, be a good criminal. Like, you're going to break the rules? Just shut up for a week and a half. And then you can tell people, like, after we met with you, I had a strong feeling. And then we had another meeting and they didn't move me. Just go ahead and tell that story. Like, the arrogance to your point and the stupidity. Like, you gain nothing from that. And he was a, Mike Malarkey was an internal hire. So, like, that's a situation that would lend itself to some Rooney Rule shenanigans that they knew they wanted him. How you can't properly execute Hold shenanigans. Hold up. To hire Mike Malarkey. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yo, 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 yo. We're not talking about, like, I remember one of the first Rooney Rule controversies is when Matt Millen was running the Lions. Mm -hmm. And I forget what coach they fired. It must have been Marty Morningweg. They fired Marty Morningweg in large part. Well, I mean, Marty Morningweg did a terrible job. But the other thing was the 49ers who just kind of out of nowhere fire Steve Mariucci. Mm -hmm. And so Millen is like, all right, he's local and he has a track record. Like he's been successful at this last place. I'm going to go hire this guy, which wasn't the most unreasonable thing in the world, right? Like stopping Matt Millen from hiring Steve Mariucci is not why the Rooney rule existed. Right. It, it wasn't for that. Like if you decide going in, because people do this all the time. If you decide going in that you're going to hire Steve Mariucci for that job, I got no beef with you, especially not in the time that it was. Totally made sense. We're not talking about what Steve Mariucci was then. We talking about Mike Malarkey. Like, like the fact that you're so sold on Mike Malarkey.
who had had a head coaching job before and not been especially good, who wasn't like no kind of famous football player. I recall he was a blocking tight end for the Steelers. And you doing that for him? I mean, you know those people who are really bad at gambling and like if you bet against them, then you can make money. I feel like these like NFL owners that consistently make bad hires, like when you get a good feeling about somebody, that's how you know that's wrong. That's that's how you know you're wrong. But remember, they hadn't, if my timing on all of this is correct, they hadn't had to hire no coach because Jeff Fisher had the job for like 25 years. Yeah. And we all know Jeff Fisher's track record. It's, I mean, it's not bad, but it is pretty fitty, fitty. mediocre. Fitty, fitty. Do you realize how long Jeff Fisher had that job? Okay. I just want to put this in context because you could look it up and find out the year, but seeing the year isn't going to land the point like this. Jeff Fisher replaced Jack Pardee as head coach, and he got the defensive coordinator position because Jeff Fisher ran the same system as his predecessor, with the Oilers, a man named Buddy Ryan. (laughs) That's how long Jeff Fisher had that head coaching job with the Oilers slash Titans. Jeff Fisher looks like Tennessee. Like he looks like a Nashville country music singer. I think it's the mustache or just his general persona. That's has to be part of the reason why they, yeah, it's It's the the mustache. mustache. He looks like he belongs in Tennessee. Because he's a California dude. Yeah, I know he is, but he looked like a Tennessee man. He must be the nicest guy, by the way. He be on all the committees. They always talk about him for these different head coaching jobs. Like, it wasn't like he was a super duper star, though he was a white defensive back, and shout out to all of them. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) (laughs) Was he a safety? Jeff Fisher don't look like he he had no hips to play corner. Yeah, I think he was a safety. He was also one of them dudes, like, we always talk about him as being 50-50. It was always fun to watch the Jeff Fisher team because there wasn't no telling what was going to happen. Like, you could bet on top five in penalties, Jeff Fisher's team is going to be in there. He was like, they was like the Raiders, right? They're going to be in the top five in penalties no matter what. That's just how they get down. That's funny. I never think of Jeff Fisher as undisciplined. That hasn't been beaten into my head, but given his track record, I feel like we should talk about Jeff Fisher as a loose cannon, undisciplined coach. I tell you who has get a rep for being undisciplined coach. That was that Jim Schwartz guy. And guess who his OG was? Who's that? Jeff Fisher. <laughs> I mean, it's from the Buddy Ryan tree. Like, I, yeah. I feel I feel like that's about right. Well, see, you don't remember Jerry Glanville very well. Yeah, I remember Jerry Glanville. He, uh, I mean, I remember the, the jokes of him. Like, he used to leave a ticket for Elvis every oh, game. Oh, no, no, no. They were... The motto of that team with the Oilers and the Falcons was Echo of the Whistle. Oh, yeah. Like, that's, that's, that's why they call it the Asher Dome, the House of Pain. These cats were just out here destroying people. That's all it was. It was so reckless. It was so many penalties. And the only thing, the reason I bring that up is what's so wild about it is for a year or two, his secondary coach was Nick Saban. And I just want to know what it had to be like for Nick Saban to be coaching one of the more undisciplined teams ever. They were staking lit up in the secondary, too. And I don't believe that was Nick Saban's fault. Oh, man, I guarantee you Nick Saban was walking around campus with the GAs or walking home with the GAs talking all types of shit about the coach. <laughs> he don't even got no control of the players. They don't even <laughs> respect him. Wait till I get my shot. I'm going to show him. Yes. 
I also right. imagine like Jerry Glanville being the dude that's out to dinner and being like, "Have a drink, Nick. Stop. <laughs> Take the stick out your ass and drink something." Uh, Jerry Glanville is that dude. He ain't having fun if everybody ain't having fun. He's right, calling right. everybody out. And and he see Nick as he already see Nick as a threat. Right. Oh, yeah. He see him as a threat and as a fuddy duddy. So he just probably just hazing Jerry Glanville up and down. Oh, gosh. And it's wild because Jerry Glanville ran a 3-4 that was all about pressure. And Nick Saban's 3-4 has never been about pressure. Just about painstaking execution. I guarantee. How bad does, I mean, Vrabel's been great. How bad does he have to be for them to fire him? Because I feel like they got to wait at least five years. In the next five years, if they lose, if they fire their coach, Titans got to hire a black dude. They don't have a choice now. So they, they are going to be holding on. Rabel need to go in for contract renegotiation right now. Like, look, I'm going to need a five-year extension tonight. Yo, think about this. The Titans had three historically important black quarterbacks. War Moon, and in the 80s, they gave him the biggest contract in NFL history, Steve McNair. And it didn't work out for Vince on the back end, but I still think Vince was historically important. And for no other reason than, like, the other two guys didn't work out, but they could have taken Cutler. They could have taken uh, Matt Leiner, like your more classic sorts of guys. And like Vince Young being taken third in that draft was a sign of a changing of the guard in the way that we evaluate quarterbacks. But the black coach, they're like, nope, not even thinking about that. Why would we do that when there are Mike Malarkey's out here? If I'm Vrabel's agent, I know we normally got to go somewhere else and get another offer as leverage. I'm sending this recording of Mike Malarkey right to Amy's <laughs> desk. And like, hey, we can we talk? We're we going to have to have a discussion. My man need an extension. Like, why? We just gave him well this right here listen up yes yo i'm gonna change gears and go to these nba playoffs right if you good with that oh for sure because i was having a discussion on twitter with people on wednesday about carl anthony towns and i'm just curious on your end is there like anybody in any of these sports that you look at and you just like all these people getting fooled by the numbers i just don't understand why y'all can't see what i think is obvious and that i am correct (laughs) you got anybody like that uh I don't know. I mean, it's hard off the top of the head. Well, like the opposite, right? Was with me and you were like, look at Josh Allen. The numbers weren't even that good, but they were like, oh, no, no, no. They were the other direction, right? I was dead wrong. This is the flip side for me. Yeah, well, no, we were right when we were right. That's fair. And then then when the moment came and we was wrong, me and you (laughs) both were like, oh, I want to be on this team. Yes, Lord. That man been been sick for two years running. You see they paid digs because that was the flip because he couldn't beat man coverage. They brought somebody in there who can cook anybody in man coverage. Now, all of a sudden, this dude the best in the league. That that turtle digs out there giving him that work. But uh, Carl Anthony <laughs> Towns, I find myself being sympathetic. And we've had this conversation a bunch of times where I think you separate your emotions from this stuff yeah. better than I do. I find myself wanting to defend, and I think this is the most damning thing for Carl Anthony Towns. I find myself wanting to defend those guys because, like, it has to suck to have Charles Barkley and everybody and their mama calling you all types of names. And I was like, man, come on, get off his back but I can't I can't for cat no more I can't and that just after watching he just be trying he not like he be trying so hard too which makes it sadder he be trying in the wrong way exactly like you know what I feel like he's a dude who be pushing with his arms when you need to push with your legs <laughs> you know what I mean like this is going to require a different level of heft this is going to require a different <laughs> oh, level bend your knees. of effort yes right like that's 
the thing with me, and so I've gotten on him about him saying I'm the best shooting big man of all time, which in a basketball sense, I compare to Dwayne Wade being the greatest shot blocking guard of all time. It's a cool asterisk to have on your thing. The other way I put it is, it's like saying that no accountant can dance like you. That ain't what the job is, man. Like you are 6'11". It's cool that you can shoot. It's helpful that you can do it on occasion. But if you're not a guard like Kevin Durant is, I don't care. Take your big ass down there to the post. And they're like, well, he posts up more than, you know, insert players here. Well, he should post up more than Giannis. Giannis has a freakish skill set that he doesn't have. Like, Carl Towns should be a guy that's killing you in the post, and then when that gets to be too much, is popping out and shooting threes, right? Carl Towns should not shoot five threes a game. Nobody that size, like playing that way, to me, should be playing that way. Big men are supposed to be big. And so what happens in the playoffs is a 15-footer becomes an 18-footer, a 19-footer becomes a three-pointer, and a three-pointer almost becomes like shooting from half court. It just becomes really, really hard to do. So he's going to be out there shooting threes, and he doesn't have the strongest no composition about himself and when he gets on the block they just be moving his big ass out the way yo you realize what my man the tooth steve adams is gonna have for him in the playoffs yeah your point is obviously a a good one the carl anthony towns thing that is frustrating is i think when you have a player like that that player is a lopez twin like he's not the person you build around so he is as talented enough to be the player that you build around, but he's trying to play in the Lopez twins added the Brooke, at least added this three later in his career. Yes. Like they, at no point has anybody been like, let's build around him. Like if we going to build around you and you have perimeter skills, like MB is a perfect example. MB get in there and do that work. And he protects the rim in a way that like, I don't know Carl Anthony Towns rim protection numbers, but I do know how I feel when I watch Timberwolves games. And I feel like Guys be having fun at the rim and 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 cat and cat don't be regulating. So don't be that big and that athletic and that skilled and that coordinated and not be a problem for people at least on defense. And that's another thing. Like Lopez be protecting that rim and uh, stretching the floor for the other players. So if you want to stretch for Ant, which is a shame that we spend this much time talking about Carl Anthony Towns when we could yes. be talking about Ant versus Ja. But anyway. Yes. Carl Anthony Towns, if you're going to be all have all those things that you have to like force the team to stop you and standing on the perimeter is not forcing them to stop you and not protecting the rim is not Look, forcing them to change. You know what's not hard to find? Guys that can shoot threes in the NBA. You know what is hard to find? Really good big men. Like we don't prioritize the big man as we used to where there was a good center in the draft. You just knew he was going number one, right? Like, like we're past that point. The Greg Oten selections aren't happening anymore because the game has changed. But who were the three best players in the NBA this year? Giannis, Jokic, Embiid, right? The big man just has to be able to do more now than he used to do, right? The big man has to be able to shoot from the elbow, maybe shoot the occasional three. Like, those are the things. But the big man still has to be big. If you are a big man and don't do big things, you barely even a man. Like, being big, like being big only matters if you put big to work. So Kevin Durant, him being seven feet matters because he does put it to work, right? Even if we're talking about Kevin Durant on defense, he's a capable rim protector. Like he puts it there. The fact that Carl Towns is not a good defender, let alone a great defender, it's not all his fault because he got to Kentucky and never played with his back to the basket before. And I just don't understand how we're ever building and breeding basketball players that size who have no experience 
putting their back on somebody. Porzingis is a great example. I say this about Porzingis. It's nifty. Porzingis is 7'3 and can shoot threes. It would be no different if he was 6'10 and can shoot threes. That's five inches of height that are being wasted because the dude can't go on the block and do it to you. It feels like that's an ancillary thing. Like that's putting rims on your car. Like that ability is putting rims on your car. And that's fine if you're going to be Brooke Lopez. Yes. That's fine because Giannis is driving this engine. We got Holiday. We got Middleton as our wheels. You know what? Hey. Lopez, shoot some threes, make them rims shine. But he, I mean, cat rolling them rims out there like that's enough to drive it. So like if yes. we we're going to do this switching thing from like it reminds me somewhat of how Lillard took over from uh, Aldridge. Like it seems quite clear to me if it ain't already Ant's team, it's going to be Ant's team. The difference is Aldridge wasn't comfortable with his face coming off the billboards. I get the feeling that Cat gonna be cool with it, but ooh, they might ooh. they might get more if they move Cat. I've been ready to trade Carl Towns. I've been on the trade Carl Towns thing. Here's my thing. I don't think that Carl Towns would be okay coming off the billboard. I think Carl Towns would be okay staying on the billboard, but not having the responsibility. I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I know what it feels like to like have a bad game and cost your team a game or feel like you cost your team a game and then have... A whole city be writing articles about how you stink. Carl Towns been feeling that <laughs> for years. I can imagine that get off my back for a week might sound nice to him. Yeah, maybe. But I also feel like putting Ant-Man on the billboards is the reminder you don't affect winning. Like that team in the last 15 years has had two players to put up pretty incredible stats yet somehow not affect winning a single bit and that's Carl Towns and Kevin Love and it's not to say that I don't think those guys are good players like my biggest criticism of Carl I admit he's not the player that I want him to be he does not play basketball in the way that I think a guy like him ultimately should play but I do think that people misunderstand like people hit me with true shooting percentage which I think is a useless statistic and all this stuff but in the end man the playoffs come down to can you lean on somebody we need a bucket right now can you lean on them and make that thing happen. And Carl Towns should be a guy who could lean on you and get the bucket or stop the bucket. And he ain't that dude. And I went back and watched some of the stuff from the game because I didn't watch it live. He was having trouble holding his composure. He was upset. He was making dumb fouls. It was rough. Carl Anthony Towns. Seventh year in the league. Seventh year in the league. And Ant-Man is the big brother. (laughs) It is second, which is, I mean, I don't know. Can we just talk about Ant-Man? First job. I want Ant-Man to score 50 points a game this series. Uh, He wants him to. And he believes he's going to also. It's going to be great. Well, I guess it's going to be build. I think Ja Morant tweeted out too, like the highlight. Light's going to be crazy, Ant versus Ja type of thing. It's going to be billed that way, but it's really going to be Patrick Beverly's annoying ass getting on Ja's <laughs> nerves, which I can't, I got to admit, I appreciate Patrick Beverly's antics, but not against Ja. Like, I want to leave Ja alone. Let Ja do his thing. You're going to be knocking him and doing all that foolishness. When's the last time Patrick Beverly calmed that? <laughs> Like, I'm just curious because he has to do it every now and then because it hasn't, like, uh, turned into, up. like, full-on, like, the four dreadlock dreadlocks. You know <laughs> what I'm saying? Where all he got is four because that's what it would do otherwise. I see his grade. You know what I'm saying? But I'm just curious, like, how often he runs something through that because it's clearly not part of the daily routine. Yeah, I think me and Pat Beverly got a similar grade. So I could speak to, I think, two or three times a week, I run a pick through it all the way through to make sure. That's, that's what I give you. You can't talk because you don't got it. We haven't no, figured I, out where exactly your your bloodline got disrupted. I'm just telling you, though. But if I wait too long, it's a struggle. <laughs> like, I can't imagine what it is with Patrick Beverly. He wait till day four. He got to put that comb on the stove. <laughs>
<laughs> now you gonna show up oh, at Patrick Beverly's house one day and he gonna have it fried, dyed, and laid to the side <laughs> and be like, why? It'll be back to normal tomorrow, man, but I just couldn't do nothing with it. <laughs> Man, poor Patrick Beverly. I don't think he cares enough to do that. Like, he wouldn't go through it. Maybe he would do it just because it's a Patrick Beverly thing to do. Like, show up to game one of a series with a um, Detroit Red conk. <laughs> That'd be outstanding. Yo, who's got, somebody got to do that. We got to find somebody to show up to a game with a conk. I mean, who would do that? I mean, Ant, Ant seems like he has the confidence to pull anything off. Because if Ant does it, it becomes a fad. Immediately, everyone's copying it. No shade, Minnesota. I'm happy for you that you got the Ant-Man. But can you imagine if the first of all, can you imagine what it would be if the Ant-Man was in Memphis? <laughs> yeah. like, can you imagine how dope it would be if Ant-Man was in Memphis? Put Ant-Man in Houston. Oh, God, put Ant-Man. Well, the problem is he's from Atlanta, but put Ant-Man in Atlanta. Like, let me tell you, the Hornets, they needed to somehow get Ant-Man and LaMelo Ball together. I would follow them around like the Grateful Dead. If LaMelo <laughs> and Ant-Man was on the same team, I'd get a yeah. van and I'd just follow them wherever <laughs> they play. i quit my job for that. Yeah, if Ant-Man was in New York, Ant-Man in New York would be dope just because he would be so unfazed by the idea of New York. Like, he would be the rare person. I always say that I only really can point to two perfect examples of this. Clive Frazier and Derek Jeter. Dudes who just inexplicably, because Clive Frazier was from Atlanta and went to Southern Illinois. Derek Jeter's from Kalamazoo, Michigan, and hit New York ready for action. Like, yep, I know what to do here. Yeah, I feel like, so, Clyde Frazier, I think, is more a good comparison because I think New York amplified what Clyde Frazier was. Yes. Derek Jeter was just very Derek Jeter all the time. He just was unflappable. But Ant-Man in New York, those quotes yeah. that he was given, if you give those <laughs> in the garden, it hits so much differently. I want Ant-Man, uh, well, he got a few years because he got to take his rookie deal, but eventually, oh, I'm sorry, Minnesota, never mind. Stay in Minnesota, win a championship <laughs> for the Timberwolves or something. Prince, Yo, congratulations. Derek Jeter hit New York and had all the game the dude was a rookie and he stopped calling mariah carey <laughs> i can't wait aren't they doing one of those uh last dance yeah style? the 10 part Derek jeter Derek jeter i had no desire to watch it because he seems boring until you just told me that little tidbit of information yeah. i have no interest in watching any of the others but yeah. that episode like i feel like they're using jeter as a proxy for that yankees run yeah they have and to. you know that would make sense but you cannot do a Derek Jeter documentary. Whether you like it or not, you can't do it without talking about the women because that is a significant part of the legend. That's a big part about why we here talking about him at all. They got a reference to gift baskets. Like, we all know about the gift baskets. You got to answer for that. You got to answer for the gift baskets. And, I mean, it's embarrassing for him, I guess, because he tried to keep it low, but... Well, well, here's, here's the other thing about Derek Jeter. They ain't going to talk about this in here properly, but I'm going to, like, tear down the wall right now all of us know that one of the more awkward things to discuss in America is interracial relationships. And interracial relationships bother people on all sides of the aisle for different reasons, right? Everybody's kind of got their own, but you, you, know, you know it might be something when you bring this person into the house, at least the first time, maybe at some point your people get used to it. Like, they realize they sent you to private school, this is what you're going to bring back, right? <laughs> but the part that doesn't get talked about is the belief between a lot of these races that it's one thing to date interracially, but it is another thing to date interracially and unattractively. That is where, now, I don't know if the white people look at the black people and be like, damn, why is this white woman dating this unattractive black dude, right? But I know we be doing it to them. And I know that white people notice that about us as we date 
interracially. It's a joke that has escaped the cookout. It's yes, a joke that yes, even yes. they know about. But I'm, I'm yes, with yes. you. If you're going to cross over, you better hit the shot. That's, I mean, yeah, that's yeah, just yeah, the yeah, way it is. Yeah, yeah. They don't feel like our standards are necessarily that high. And part of the frustration that many black people have, particularly with black men dating interracially, is that they date white women of a caliber that they would never tolerate from a black woman, right? That's, that's part of the beef. No one has ever had that beef with Derek Jeter, guys. <laughs> Not one single time. Derek Jeter decided he wanted to taste the rainbow, but only the best Skittles. <laughs> Derek Jeter only went and got the purple Skittles, red Skittles, whatever the Skittle is that hits for you. That's the one that he got. That's it. That uh, man, not one single time was like, damn, she must be cool. Nope, 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 nope. Oh, not gosh. They're not going to do that in a documentary, but I think there's a place for that at a show called Game Theory. There can be. Yeah. Just <laughs> that, that's an HBO subject. That's not an um, ESPN subject. The list is mean, and you don't never see none of them in no pictures with him. Yeah, that's crazy. You found out about all of them after the fact. <laughs> Derek, like, yo, put me in the paper one time and see what happens. It's a Hall of Fame Watch. career inside a Hall of Fame career. Yo, he like, I ain't no trophy for y'all. You know what I'm saying? You damn sure ain't no trophy for me. I just go holler at another one of these. That's, that is quite incredible. He has the Ant-Man confidence that we love in him. I didn't love it in Derek as much. I, I prefer a little bit more ostentatious, which is particularly problematic as, as I, I go to, like, my son's flag football games and all them kids be celebrating every play and I be wanting to tell him to stop it, but a part of me likes it. Well, hold on, though, hold on, though. Have you ever heard the Derry Jeter, uh, Rick Riley, Miss Universe story? Nope. So Rick Riley said he was once doing a story with Derry Jeter where he answered fan mail, and so he just sat there with him. And it's Rick Riley, you know? And so Rick sees a letter from Miss Universe, and it's like, yo, Miss Universe. Derry Jeter's response was, oh, no, I'm not doing that Miss Universe thing again. <laughs> Oh, God. Again, he learned his lesson the last time he did the Miss Universe thing. Derek Jeter's never been married, has he? No, he's married now. Okay, good for him. He got married in like 43. Good for him. I'm sure he's a great husband and father now. Lots of experience. We're going to end our fake documentary about Derek Jeter on a happy note. <laughs> that he is happy. He's uh, expended all of his energy. He, his royal oats are fine. And now he is a responsible member of society. Well, not in Miami. He's not. They don't, they don't like him down there. They go show the clip of him saying all uh, his wife saying all that stuff. And then they go go to Derek. Be like, yeah, it's cool. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. Life goes on. It's time for a change. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's straight. It's straight. <laughs> Is what is he doing now? What's he doing next? Being Derek Jeter. Yeah, that's the, the old Magic Johnson line. Yeah, let's say Magic is like, yo, why am I doing this when I could just? I like being Magic Johnson. I was like, damn, what a flex. Yeah, I would like it too. It sounds pretty fun. Well, there's one drawback, but any other playoff basketball you want to touch on? Nah, we had the time, baby. We talked <laughs> about what so. I want. I just want. I just wanted to bang on Carl Towns and talk about the Ant Man. We got it all together. Uh, Sixers gonna lose. That's all. All right, moving on. Oh, oh, oh. We'll, we'll see what's up next week i can see it happening but that is dominique foxworth check him out on get up check him out on debatable check him out at anscape all them places and uh ladies and gentlemen thanks so much for joining us here on the right time thanks for watching us on youtube gay bassane handling everything behind the scenes thank you sir uh remember follow the right time rate us review us give us five stars you only give us four stars i'm inclined to believe you are a hater also, your voicemails. Let us know about that time that you got cooked up by a future pro in a pickup 
high school, or college gay. Rate us, review us, give us five stars. You only give us four stars. I'm inclined to believe you are a hater, and we'll talk to you guys in a couple of days. Take it easy. Thanks for checking out The Right Time with Bomani Jones Podcast. You can listen or follow on the ESPN app or wherever you listen to podcasts. The Right Time with Bomani Jones.